If you have your Bibles, please open up to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back uh, sound booth. Luke chapter 10, you can grab those Bibles or you can follow along in our Bible event on the Bible app. Luke chapter 10, if you grab one of those Bibles in the back, we're on page 600 or 869. While you're doing that, have you ever been in a competition with someone that you didn't realize was a competition, right? Like if you're like me, everything is a competition. It can be something, that, something as simple as folding papers and there's like a hundred papers and there's someone else helping me. I will let you know that I will do more papers than that person because it is a competition whether they know that or not, right? And you get to the end, you're like, hey, I did more papers than you. You're like, oh, I didn't realize we were racing. Cool, thanks for the heads up. So in, uh, in Galveston, uh, we got to do some amazing things uh, in packing school supplies for um, about 350 uh, fam- or people that came through to get these school supplies. And we um, wrote out individual prayers on cards, like wrote them out and stuffed all 350 backpacks with these prayers, or 300 backpacks with these prayers that our students and adults that were on that trip wrote. And then as we were packing up those bags, um, with school supplies, we were praying over those bags. So every kid that was getting something from the school supply drive both got a written prayer specifically for them, and then someone prayed over the supplies that they were going to get. And then there's uh, church partners all over the community that are taking names off of the lists that they that registered, and they're going to be praying for them all school year long. And so we had people that were called personal shoppers kind of escorting families from the community around the school supply drive to get these supplies. And one of their jobs was to share with them about these, you know, these different ways that, we're, that your kid has already been prayed for and will we continue to be praying for. And then there, are, there was a table in the back that had um, a, a few people working at it, and it was about ways that the, those family, the people that were coming through the school supply drive could get involved in the programs that GUM has on a regular basis. And so I told the lady at the back table, I was like, hey, none of the personal shoppers know this, but tell me who gets the most people to sign up for the programs. And she's like, okay, okay. She's like, get into it. She's like, okay. But like, don't tell them that you're counting. And I'm not going to tell them that they're counting. We're just going to see who does the best job. Uh, And so like about two hours into it, I went and asked her, I was like, hey, so like, who's winning? And she's like, the girl in the blue shirt, she has way more than everyone else. And then there's this girl in the, and then she like told me the top three. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I went to the back and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Hey, I just want to let you know, this person won. And they're like, what did I win? And how did I do it? Right. And so I went on to tell them, hey, so we're counting to see who signed up for the as many programs, and they're like, oh, cool, well, thanks for letting us know this was a competition. We would have tried harder. No, they didn't say that. They're... But sometimes, if you know it's a competition, you will try harder, right? If, if it's just like something you're doing, you're just like, oh, whatever, it happens. If, this, if someone signs up or if they don't sign up, it's not a big deal. But if you know there's a reward or some sort of competition, we try harder. And the reality is we are in a competition for our time constantly battling for our time. And if you're not aware of that, you will lose all the time that you have. But if you realize that there is a competition for your time, the enemy is trying to take as much time away from you 
that distract you from doing the work of the Lord, if you realize that, you can kind of get ahead of that and become a time keeper. And that's what we want to talk about today. So open up your Bibles, like I said, to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 38 through 42. It's a familiar story for most of you guys. It says this in 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving as she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So I have these two people in this story, these two sisters, and, uh, and really the, what, how they interacted with Jesus is kind of shape what we're thinking about today. And, and the first thing I want you to understand is you need to make your time a priority. You need to make your time a priority because uh, it is limited, right? So we have these things that we encounter on a daily basis that I think of as time killers and time suckers, right? We have these time killers and time suckers. Time killers are the things that we're doing that is just literally wasting our time, right? Uh, I know that none of you guys in this room, but I've seen people before uh, kind of mindlessly just flicking their finger up on their phone. Have you ever seen this, this move? Just like scrolling through Facebook mindlessly or whatever social media you want to claim, just mindlessly looking through it or have their phone sideways, just mindlessly watching videos, right? Uh, There's these things that we have in our life that are just killing our time. It might be that. It might be video games. It might be um, just gossiping. Like the things that we do in our life, we, we understand that we have a limited amount of time and we do these things and they end up taking way more time than they were supposed to, right? It's, it's, I'm not telling you you need to delete Facebook off your phone. Some of you might need to, but I'm not telling you that's like from the Lord. I'm just saying sometimes we spend time doing things that are literally killing our, like the things that God has for us to do. And then we have what I call time suckers, right? Uh, because we think, hey, um, I'm spending too much time doing these, or I have all of these tasks to accomplish. And so what I can do is I can multitask, right? I can take two things and put them together as one. The reality is multitasking is not always the best option, right? I have two tasks that are going to take an hour long to do. I'll do them together and maybe I can be able to finish it an hour and a half. And then you look around at the clock and it's two and a half hours later and you're still not done with your task. Multitasking wasn't very helpful, was it? Uh, But there are some tasks you can combine together, right? That aren't, that, that are actually helpful, right? If you have like a show that you watch with your family and you need, you know, laundry done, right? You can watch the show and do laundry. Um, that's that maybe not a time sucker, but you can say, hey, I have laundry to do, and I also want to spend time with my 18-month-old daughter. Probably not a great idea if I, my goal is to fold the laundry. If it's to put all the laundry in the hamper and then take it out and then put it back and take it out and then sit in the hamper and then take it out and then put, la- put clothes all over the place so you can find them in a couple weeks, if that's the goal... 
That is very productive, right? But if the goal is to get all the things that are in the laundry basket folded, that's not actually productive. It's fun, right? A lot of fun, but not productive, right? So we have these things, time killers and time suckers, ways that uh, things that we want to do that just take up a lot of our time. Sometimes it's multitasking. Sometimes it's our hobbies, right? I love to play golf. If anyone wants to take me to play golf and you want to pay for it, that's even better, right? Like I love to play golf, but I understand that a round of golf, four to five hours. And I don't have just like big giant chunks of four to five hours just lying around in my, in my life that I'm like, hey, I'm not doing anything for five hours. I'm just going to go play golf, right? I just was at, in Galveston with the, these awesome students for a week. Uh, if I would have came home and be like, hey, babe, thanks for taking care of like our house and our family. Uh, I'm going to go play golf with some friends for five hours. I have a pretty great wife, but I might have like a black eye. I don't know. Um, or I might be really lonely today, right? Because like that's not helpful, right? We have things that like hobbies aren't bad, but when they suck away the time that we have, the precious few hours and moments we have, they're not great, right? Um, sometimes for uh, some people, it's hanging out, right? Um, regularly, I tell my wife, hey, I'm going to be home at this hour or at this time, and then I'm leaving to be home on time, and then I talk to five people, and that takes 30 more minutes. And she's like, hey, uh, what happened to 4.30? Uh, I meant to come home at 4.30, but I didn't come home at 4.30, right? So we have these time killers and time suckers, and there's really a big difference between being busy and being productive, right? Busy people, they look like they're really, really ultra-productive, but they're doing a lot of walking around, but not accomplishing very many things, right? Being productive is actually a good thing. Uh, the, the kind of phrase that we use in suburbia is like, hey, how's life? Man, I'm busy. Like, we should not pride ourselves in being busy, right? Being busy tends to mean that we're not being productive. So we need to begin to establish values. What do you have, what are you doing in your life that, that is important? What is really important to you? Establish values, right? Maybe a value for you is um, family, Maybe a value for you is, uh, you know, going to church. Maybe a value for you, whatever your value is, um, you need to begin to evaluate, establish these values. Truth is, the world is trying to sell you values, right? And they will package them whatever way it's easiest for you to buy them, right? That's called marketing, right? So the world is trying to sell you these values. Hey, buy, uh, you know, buy a boat, because you can spend time with your family on that boat. But what, the, what we don't realize is we have to buy a boat, so therefore we need to work more, so we're spending less time with our family in order to afford that boat, and then we're constantly pouring money into the boat, and so we're having to work more for that. So we're actually spending less time with our family because we think that's what we want. We establish these values, and here's the problem. We're buying values from the world. We need to establish our values from the Word, right? So what would it look like if you began in this new season of life, right, um, and, and uh, you said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time with the Lord, just like a CEO of a company would spend some time thinking about what matters to their business and what are values that they have and how can these values lead them to the next season in their life. What if you, dads even, 
But what if you as a family begin to seek after the Lord and read his word and begin to establish values from the word of God? Hear from the Lord and say, all right, God desires for me for these things to be values in our family and then begin to shape everything else around those values because we're about to enter a new season, like I said, and these new seasons come with new rhythms. And if we let um, our values determine our rhythms, it looks a lot different than letting our rhythms determine our values because if we let the rhythms of the world determine our values, we tend to get off track and offline. There's a lot of people here today. Praise the Lord. Like, what would it look like for us to prioritize spending time together as a church over something else, right? Like, we establish these values, and those things that are values for us, they take precedence over everything else. And so, um, so you uh, make your time a priority. And then you make your time work for you. Make your time work for you, um, and, and you, you begin to take charge of your time. So has anyone been to the, the Schlitterbahn there in Galveston? I know it's not as great as the real one. I get that. Grew up at the real one. Um, but, but there's this pretty epic lazy river there, right? Um, it's pretty awesome. And one of my favorite things about the lazy river is, like, there's, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-destiny type lazy river. Uh, but the concept of this lazy river is you can kind of just sit there in your raft or whatever you want and just float around in the circle, right? And the waves will send you in the circles and over and over. But one of the cool things that they have is a couple of different like exit points where you can kind of choose your own adventure. Like you can get off here and go do this, or you can um, float into here. But the lazy river naturally takes you in that circle, and you keep doing that. You can just sit there for hours and hours and hours and not do anything, just get sunburned, right? Um, but if you want to, you can paddle or you can get out of your, your float and go against the current and get out of kind of the flow of things and begin to go on this other like adventure, if you will, this other portion of the lazy river. Um, and, and I think a lot of us look at life and we think about it like this. We're like, hey, I'm in my float and I'm just floating around the lazy river. Think about Martha. She, um, she was a floater. She took the things, uh, she let her circumstances determine what she did. Um, she didn't take charge of her time. She let her circumstances determine what she did. She was a floater. She just said in the lazy river, hey, there's something that needed to get done. This Jesus guy was around. Hey, we need to have things nice and neat and orderly for him to come. So she just began to float around the lazy river. But Mary, her sister, was significantly different. She she was a wave breaker. She got out of the lazy river and walked herself and her float over to this other area where Jesus was so she could spend time at the foot of Jesus, right? And so she was a wave breaker. She moved out of the flow that the world was selling her. She moved into the place that Jesus wanted her. Does that make sense? So you can take charge of your time. You make your time work for you. You take charge of your time. You can either be a floater or a wave breaker. I, I would encourage you to be a wave breaker, not a floater, because the world is going to have you floating around in circles, not doing anything, not being productive, not, not being a threat to the enemy. Or you could be a wave breaker. You could be someone that is constantly not okay with floating and constantly walking towards the feet 
of Jesus, just like Martha was here in the story. Mary determined her circumstances. Martha was letting her circumstance determine what she did. And there needs to be, there needs to come a time when you make things happen instead of letting things happen to you. So you take charge of your time, and you begin to implement these values, right? You establish values that begin to implement values. You implement these values uh, because if you don't, you'll find yourself floating around. So you fight for those things that are valuable. You seek after the Lord, and you find values from His Word. There are things in the Bible that are commands, right? Things that God tells us to do. Love your neighbor, right? Uh, love God, right? Like, they're, they're commands from the Bible. But a lot of our life functions on what I call convictions, right? Things that maybe aren't exactly written word for word in the Bible, but this is how we begin to implement it in our life, right? And so you begin to look at the Word of God, and kind of like we talked about last week with this worldview, like we begin to make sure that our worldview is shaped by the Scripture, by God, and not by the culture, um, and what the culture is telling us to do. And so we have this worldview, and we begin to look from the Word begin to see the values that we have and begin to implement those values in our own life, right? Martha and Mary probably didn't have significantly different values. They both valued showing honor to Jesus because he was there and they wanted to honor him. One of them got caught up in busyness. One of them sat at his feet. And what's interesting is when you think about it, verse 42 Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion. He almost reprimands Martha. And he says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary was a wave breaker. Mary pursued being at the feet of Jesus. Martha just allowed the world and what the world is selling her to determine what she did. She just floated around. We have to fight for the things that matter to us. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, just like one page over, uh, he, Jesus is talking to uh, this group of people, and he says, if anyone comes after me, verse 23, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Implementing values doesn't just accidentally happen. We have to wake up every day, remember the values that we established, and implement them daily. We have to pick up our cross, die to ourselves, and live for the Lord. Live for what He has called us to do, right? Being a floater is super easy. You don't have to really put much effort into it. Being a wave breaker, you're constantly going against the current, against the grain, and you have to every day wake up Bear your cross and pursue what Jesus has for you. You do not accidentally find yourself at the feet of Jesus. You put yourself at the feet of Jesus. You implement these things, these values that you get from the Lord. But that is hard. Sometimes that is uncomfortable. Sometimes that is pushing against people that you love the most dearly um, and against what they are doing in their life. And man, it's our responsibility as leaders of our families to do what God has called us to do. We're held accountable for that. We stand before the Lord. He's going to judge us for how we lead our families. If you're not implementing your values, 
it's either because you're scared or it's because those really aren't your values. Let's be men that pursue being at the feet of Jesus and we lead our families with us to the feet of Jesus. Let's don't be cowards that are afraid of pushing back. We have to implement these values. It's going to take work and it's going to take daily dying to ourselves. But it will it will be good. We want to choose the good portion. So we make our time work for us. And then the last thing that we have to do is that we have to make sure that our time, make sure that your time flows from your heart. We understand that time is limited, right? Students are starting school this week and next week. They have 75,600 minutes that they have to be at school for the school year, right? That's determined by the state of Texas. You can't argue that it's determined by the state of Texas. I guess like if another bad thing happened, they shave that off a little bit. But um, you have a set amount of time, right? Uh, we have this parent queue app that we use in our ministries and kids ministry and, and youth ministry. And if you have a senior this year, you have 40 weeks left. You have 40 weeks uh, before they are on their own. I looked it up yesterday because I knew I was going to share about this. Um, for Rowan, we have 857 weeks left with her. That might seem like a lot, but you adults, you know, that's not very much time at all. Like that time will go by like this. We have to understand that our time is limited. And so because of that, we have to take advantage of every moment that God has given us because a lot of our time is already accounted for. Of those 857 weeks, she's going to spend probably half of those weeks asleep, right? Because we need to sleep or we will sleep for a long time, right? Like it's clinically proven that you have to get sleep, right? And so of those weeks, part of those days that she'll be, uh, that, that we have with her, she'll be asleep, right? Uh, and there's part of her days that she'll be at school. Like we need to take advantage of the time that God has given us because when you really, really practically think about it, we don't really have all that much flex time, free time to spend together, especially investing in our kids. We have to understand that our time is limited. So understanding that our time is limited, we need to begin to evaluate our values begin to evaluate our values. And so we get these values from God and we begin to implement our values. But then we need to spend time looking at how are we implementing these values and is that actually functioning like properly? Are they, are, 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 is our implementation of these values actually elevating values or kind of taking away from those values? The boat situation, right? Like I want to buy the boat so I can spend more time with my family, but the reality is I'm spending less time with my family because I have to pay for this boat. Value, spending time with your family. Reality, not spending time with your family. So you have to begin to evaluate these values. And this is what we know. We seek after the Lord. We listen to his word. And we get our values from him. And in Romans chapter 12, this is what he tells us. This is why it's important to be like Mary. Mary, she was a wave breaker, right? Where did she find herself? At the feet of Jesus. Why is that important? Romans chapter 12, right? Paul's writing to the, the people of Rome, not knowing if he's going to be able to see them or not. And he's, going to, he's kind of sharing with them all the things that he would teach if he was there, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 
2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can either be conformed or transformed. Both of those words are passive, right? That means something else is shifting, something else is shaping you. So you can be conformed, you can be a floater and let the world shape who you are, or you can be transformed, you can be a wave breaker, that you can put yourself at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to change me, I need you to transform my life. I can't do it, I need you to do this. You can try your best to put out these values for your family, but the reality is, if they're not the Lord's values that you will become, you will become a floater. You will become someone that is just keeping up with the status quo, floating around a circle, not impacting the kingdom of God at all. You evaluate your your, your values, and, and you make sure that you're not buying what the world is selling. The world will, will, will package everything for you the way he, it thinks that you want. The reality is, God has given you value. They're in here. They're in his word. If we spend some time in this before the Lord at the feet of Jesus, we will find that our lives look significantly different. And if we truly want to start this season right and begin to implement new rhythms that put us consistently at the feet of Jesus. We need to do this on purpose. It doesn't happen on accident. Floating happens on accident. Wave breaking does not happen on accident. It happens on purpose. And my prayer for you and the prayer for me is that we can intentionally make sure that daily we're at the feet of Jesus, allowing him to transform our lives and not being conformed by the world around us. You, your family, our church, we need to recognize that this world is not fighting for us. It's fighting against us. It wants to destroy us. The enemy will use distraction, it will use busyness, and it will use misaligned values to slowly destroy us or quickly destroy us, whatever method he feels is best. We need to be timekeepers. We need to fight against that. Recognize we need to fight for every second that we have and make sure that that is pushing us and the people around us, the people that we are leading closer and closer to Jesus. That, was, that is what God is calling us to do. And in this new season, we have the ability to get ahead of things and implement these new rhythms that align with our values and change, change the people around us change our own lives, and impact the kingdom of God. Timekeepers are dangerous because the enemy doesn't want us to recognize what he's doing. Let's be dangerous. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, my my heart's desire is for us to glorify you in all that we do. For us to be able to keep the gospel central in every single thing that we do, that we understand that is, it is your mercy that is more than my goodness, like we sang earlier. So let, let us take the things that you have for us, these values that you have in your word and these values that you're giving us individually, ways to lead our lives, ways to lead our families. And Lord, let us begin to implement that 
into our lives so that we will be different kinds of people. Let us purposefully put ourselves at your feet, Jesus, so that you will transform our lives. That is my prayer, Lord. Is there's anyone in this room today that are saying, hey, you know what? Like my value system is so off because either A, I've never actually given my life to Jesus then let him take over my value system. Then Lord, give them the the courage this morning. Just meet me at the back. Begin a conversation about what does it look like for them? What does it look like for them to change and shift from their values to your values? Give them the boldness to come to the back and have a conversation with them about that. Maybe check on the, the insert, the bulletin ripoff portion that they want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Give them the courage to do that. Or if there's someone in this room, which I imagine there's plenty, that their, their value system has been just out of whack because they bought in to what the Word was selling. Lord, let today be a day of repentance. Let today be a day of newness where they say, no more floating. I'm going to be a wave breaker. I'm going to go against what the world is selling me. I'm going to go towards Jesus. I'm going to place my feet, my, myself and my family at the feet of Jesus and let him transform our lives. Lord, we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.